Need a new set of optics? For more than a decade, Riton Optics has been providing optic solutions for hunters and shooters of all types and disciplines. Check out their Primal line for those products geared more towards us hunters. From binoculars and spotting scopes to your basic 3-9 to nine scopes and longer range crossover models, the Primal line from Riton was made for hunters. Learn more at RitonOptics.com. That's Riton, R-I-T-O-N, Optics.com. Where to hunt Where podcast. To hunt it's, it's, okay. It's, okay. it's okay. It's okay. Hi, I'm Dan Small, host of Outdoor Wisconsin, and I listen to Where to Hunt. Man, it's okay. I'm Kurt Geyer with Working Class Bow Hunter. I listen to Where to Hunt podcast, and it's decent. It's all right. Hey, this is Bud Fisher with Catching Deers, and I think the Where to Hunt podcast is all right. Howdy, and welcome to the Where to Hunt podcast, the podcast that connects public land hunting enthusiasts. Today is, what the hell is today? Right, it's February 4th, 2020. Welcome to the new month. We're chugging along here. We got a good lineup of guests in the calendar and the queue, so uh, stay tuned as we just line up some great episodes with some super awesome guests. I'm very excited for everything to come. Uh, this week, we talk with guest Michael Lee with Backwoods Life TV via the Sportsman's Channel. He's the first guest of this kind for us, so it was really a fun episode, exciting to hear about some of the southern culture and hunting and his experience up here in the northern parts of the of the country here in wisconsin and uh, if you like fish fries and brandy old fashions this would be a good episode for you all right before we get into our episode let's do our sponsorship call out and then after that we'll dig into the recipe of the week and then our interview title sponsor backwoods grind coffee backwoodsgrind.com uh go to backwoodsgrind.com take a good whiff just smell you can do it from your phone you can do it from your website on your computer Wherever you are, pull up their website and it smells like delicious coffee. Or you could just buy some delicious backwoods grind coffee, brew it in your kitchen or your ever wherever you feel like brewing it, and just enjoy the smell. Ooh, that was good. And then the taste shortly thereafter. Hey, Greg, that was pretty smooth. Well, smooth as backwoods grind coffee. No. <laughs> hey, if you want to save some money on their coffee, enter in code W2HPODCAST. You're going to get 10% off. Uh, switching gears and switching boots. You look at the screen on the, well, I think it's the right-hand side, uh, Gumleaf USA. These are handmade from scratch. Yes. From scratch. Hand, how do I say it? Handmade. From scratch. They're handmade. They're handmade. From scratch. From scratch. <laughs> these are uh, 85% natural rubber boots. You cannot get other boots like these at big box stores because they don't sell them at big box stores. And the big box companies, uh, they're not the same. The quality isn't there. The durability isn't there. The longevity isn't there. The comfort isn't there. I challenge you to challenge me. You're going to be wrong. So if you want to save money on some gum leaf boots, you're going to get 10% off the first time ever. We're in the new year. Finally, we got an updated code, W2H2020, and you can save some money on gum leaf boots. These are incredible boots. I'm telling you, folks. Anyway, and then uh, lastly, our newest sponsor still, they're the new guys, just for now. Uh, musket powder, so homemade, camp-tested, seasonal, uh, for more danger himself, they've wrapped a NASCAR, if you're into NASCAR, you'll see the musket powder all up on a hood, and, uh, it's delicious, we've been using the shit out of it. Yep, on eggs, steak, I did a steak not too long ago with it, um, burgers, those awesome burgers. That's right, so, uh, code W2H podcast, and you get a BOGO, and if you've submitted a recipe for the recipe of the week, which we have one that we'll get into in post, uh, you get entered for a chance to win some musket powder seasoning. And we've had we've, it's the third week of doing it. So for the last two weeks, we've had two winners. So yeah. share your recipes with us, folks. We want to hear how you're cooking your wild game. Yeah, Eric needs some new recipes to try. Yeah, I suck at cooking. There's a very selfish reason for me doing this. <laughs> well, there you go. Okay, so let's take a quick moment. This seems like a great time to get into our recipe of the week. The recipe of the week. The recipe of the week is brought to you by musket powder. Completely cover, then add a little more. Camp tested. You hear that? That's the sound of tastiness. So the recipe this week comes from a listener named Haley. 
and Haley shares with us her recipe for smothered pheasant. So the ingredients, of course, being pheasant, is six skinless, boneless pheasant breast halves, salt and black pepper to taste, half cup of all-purpose flour, half cup of butter, two cups of half and half cream. Directions are pretty simple and straightforward for this one. Preheat the oven to 325, it's Fahrenheit, and season the pheasant breast on all sides with salt and pepper. Sprinkle the flour onto the plate and then press the pheasant breast into the flour until it's completely coated. And then go ahead and coat off or shake off the excess flour and set that aside. While you have that set aside, melt the butter in the oven-proof Dutch oven or deep skillet over medium heat. Cook the pheasant breast in the hot butter until golden brown on both sides. About five minutes per side and then pour half and half cream and bring that to a simmer. Go ahead and cover the Dutch oven. From there, bake in the preheated oven until the pheasant breasts are tender, no longer pink in the center. So about an hour and a half. Uh, sounds a little bit similar to chicken to me in that sense. And an instant uh, read thermometer inserted to the center should read at least 165 degrees Fahrenheit. And you may need less time with a smaller piece of meat. Uh, could be a great episode for grouse too. So Haley, thank you so much for sharing your recipe with us for the recipe of the week, you are going to win the musket powder season all this week. And just so it doesn't go without saying, Haley, that sounds super delicious. And, uh, you know, I don't have any pheasant, but I think I know someone or a couple people that do. So we'll have to try that recipe out and uh, let you know how we like it. But we hope you enjoy the musket powder as a result. And uh, thanks again. If you want to share your recipe of the week with us, you can go to uh, wheretohuntapp.com and we do have a page for recipe submissions. You can also get there if you follow us on Instagram and our link in bio, there's a tab that'll take you right there and uh, you can submit that to us and every entry qualifies to win some musket powder seasoning. If you want to share recipes with our community, we'd love to hear about them, see what you got and hey, it can't hurt to win some seasoning. So that's what we got for that this week. With us on the line today is Michael Lee with Backwoods TV out of the Sportsman's Channel. Mike, what's up, man? How you doing, Mike? What's going on? What's going on, guys? How are y'all? Doing great. We're good. We're happy. We're happy to be here. This is this is our jam, man. We love doing this stuff. We're happy to have you on the show. I'm glad to be here. Appreciate the invite, and uh, I'm sure we're going to have a good time. Damn right we are. We're... Uh, Tell the audience, for those folks that do know you, don't know you, want to hear it twice, want to hear it for the first time, where are you from? Um, what are you all about, man? Let's hear about you. Um, I personally live in South Georgia. I born and raised down here in this part of the world. Um, started Backwoods Life about uh, 15 years ago or so now, and we've been around, seems like, the world two or three times, and done a lot of cool stuff and a lot of not cool stuff on accident and we survived to tell the stories about it so here we are today 15 years later still doing our thing 15 years that's a, a pretty decent stint on tv to to take that on you know i gotta believe that had to be kind of you had to have to be questioning your sanity a little bit when you first started doing it because yeah, there's, there's a lot lot to get into with that <laughs> People walking around with cameras on their shoulders with the VHS tape 15 years ago. Is that safe to say? 15 years ago, does that put us in that spot? Yeah. No, man, we were still black and white back then. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, I can't do math. Uh, So that would have been, what, 2005? Here we go. (laughs) Yeah, we we started Uh filming our, we shot our first video in uh, spring of 2004, and it actually aired in 2005. So it's been a few minutes. But um, no, we 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 had actually some smaller cameras back then. Some, I guess they I think they were called high eight in HD um, stuff, which uh, come a long way since then. Now we've got chips in our camera that will record as much video as those would in about six years. So uh, it's pretty pretty wild. We've come a super long way. In 2004, I graduated high school. That's where that's where I'm at. You've been doing this as long as I've been in the real world. Young pup. Well, I don't know if that's good or bad, but... Um, <laughs> I'm not sure that. what to make of it. I don't know. I don't know. I got to associate it somehow, right? I mean, I was making goofy videos. Old. <laughs> I was well indentured into the trades already, so 
Yeah, you're you're not young, Craig. Thanks. Well, your beard's not too gray yet. Oh. We're working on it. Mm-hmm. You're not living a stress. A stress well, man, it was, good, it was good good talking to you guys. I'll um I'll catch up with you next time. So it's the age. Fuck you, Eric. Dude, so okay, um, wh- like what happened? Fifty. Let's just let's take a second. I want to like dig into. There's a lot of folks nowadays that have a camera in their pocket, right? They're buying camera equipment. They're trying to do this stuff. There's a lot of folks on YouTube, Carbon TV. Um, there's a lot of things happening in this space now that have kind of flooded the market with this stuff. And there's some rising stars there that have kind of set their foot forward. And you know, White Tail Adrenaline comes to mind. The Hunting Public comes to mind. Um, Chase, Chase Nation comes to mind. There's some new players here. But let's rewind all the way back to the VHS days when it was like Dan Infault was one of the ones that came to mind back then. He was Blood Brothers or something, I think. Like there was a different world back then. How did you get to that point? What led up to 2004, 2005? What were you doing to get on, get yourself on TV? Like that must have been a lot harder than than it is today. Um, well, well, yes and no. I mean, it depends. Um, we'll, we'll carbon date this thing back all the way to when I was growing up. Um, and watching, you know, Real Tree guys and Mossy Oak and uh, sure. back on network they used to have called TNN, which you had basically one night a week. I think it was Sunday nights. You had a few fishing shows and a few hunting shows. I think uh, like Hank Parker, you know, he, he was on there back in those, those days. And that kind of pioneered this whole media outlet world of of, of hunting videos, if you, if you throw that out there for the right term. But you know, we had magazines and stuff like that, you know, Buckmasters and things like that. And um, I grew up watching those guys. And, and, you know, you never think about when you're, you know, in high school or whatever, you think, oh, man, that's that's something that's actually attainable, right? And, you know, I get out of high school, go to college and blah, 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 you know, live in life. And all of a sudden, one day I met uh, Kevin Knighton, who produces the show and is my co-host at a hunting store in Florida. And we start having this conversation about, you know, video and stuff like that. And I'd already purchased some video equipment. I was videoing some stuff just for the fun of it, you know, no big deal. But when I met Kevin, he had the editing background. So that's what he went to college for. So he was an editor by trade, actually working at a television station doing production there. So kind of fell into, you know, the right partner at the right time to make a fruitful product, if you will, instead of having to sink a bunch of money into production like a lot of guys do nowadays, unless you're really slick and know how to edit yourself we were able to kind of do it cheaper than the other guys, you know, on our end because we have to absorb those costs. So anyway, fast forward, you know, to those days and one year into it, we were on our regional networks, regional Fox networks down here in the, in the Southeast. We we're on three different networks of those, um, you know, whenever we could get an airtime to be on. Sometimes it's Thursday mornings at 6 a.m. or Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Who knows? So just trying to get stuff out there and, after a year doing that, we had these national networks contacting us because back then it was really they were really thirsting for more shows to fill their grids because you had, you know, two or three networks trying to you know hit the ground running and fill their their slots in with with you know good shows that people would actually turn over there and watch and not have to run infomercials and um, the demand was there. You still had to go pay your dues, and, and I mean, the stuff isn't like handed to you on a silver platter. You know, they're not knocking on your door, like, hey, Mr. Lee, would you like to film and hunt for a living? Because it just doesn't work that way. I mean, it took years and years of grinding away, wondering if we were going to be able to pay the light bill before we actually made a dollar off this thing. The true grind, man. Well, that's the shit that I love to hear. If I'm being, if I'm just. It seems to be that people think folks just become these overnight successes. You had to do this for a long time before someone even began to recognize you. And that tells me that you loved what you were doing because you wouldn't just do that shit to suffer. Maybe. Maybe you're one of those well, folks. Well, you know, can't be David Goggins. <laughs> well, the, I mean, well, I mean, and, I, you know, I started this, this thing when I, was, when I was 24, 25 years old. And it's one of those that, you know, you, you see something that you never thought you'd be able to do kind of sitting in front of you like, well, you know, as, as long as I don't lose my, my house and, and my family over this thing, well, let, let me go see what I can do, you know. So bit the bullet and made some sacrifices and kind of pushed this thing to the front and center. And 
decided we would hit the ground running. In the beginning, our whole goal was like, hey, man, you know, let's, how cool would it be to go hunt in another state, you know, to go with an outfitter? And, you know, then you start this little bucket list. Man, I'd like to shoot, you know, a big deer somewhere. Then I'd like to shoot antelope somewhere, an elk, a mule deer. And you slowly check these things off your list. And, and that's your whole reason for doing it because you have that drive to say, hey, I, I want to fulfill these dreams of, you know, whether it's a trophy on your wall or just go and do these bucket list hunts. And, you know, if, as long as I'm not losing my butt having to hemorrhage money to go do this thing and I make a good quality product and video and I keep these companies I'm working with happy and you kind of get this little ball rolling, you know, it's it's pretty cool. And But like any other business, you do that for four or five years, you're like, okay, I got to at least get some monetary thing out of this deal if it's going to be a legitimate business. And if you don't believe me, ask the IRS. They, they're kind of a fan of that. <laughs> yeah, so, they don't want you to write shit off. <laughs> right. I mean, They'll give you a for, couple for of years, and they're years, like, hey, all right. Yeah, this is, this is a big money pit for a while. You're like, oh, man, I'm getting some good tax returns over the last few years because I'm losing my butt trying to trying to follow this dream. And, and I think it really was uh, consistency, determination, um, not giving up when things really were tough. Like literally there were days where we did not know how we were going to pay the bills. And, uh, you know, I don't know how religious you guys are or, or listeners are, but I'm a firm believer that you, God doesn't give you what you want. He gives you what you need. And we always got what we needed to make it yeah. another week, another day, another month, another year, you know? So um, we, we kind of kept pushing and pushing and pushing and, I think at the beginning we were too dumb to quit, and now we've been in it too long to quit. So I don't really know what the outcome's going to be. <laughs> I love the too dumb to quit, and then yeah, once you're near, like, well, shit, man, we can't do it. We can't quit now. We've been at this too long. The hell else are we going to do? <laughs> right. right? So I, yeah, I don't know what I would do if I don't have nothing to do. So that's crazy. So have you t- have you talked about this side of it before? Uh, like on the show or in any other mediums, like on podcasts or interviews or like blog posts or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, I've I've had you know, gosh, I've done different interviews and podcasts and all kinds of stuff over the years. And this is this is a topic that people ask a lot of times, like you know, how to get started and how to get down this road and and all that stuff. So this isn't my first time with the story, but it's probably a different version of the from the rest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's these are the I don't know to me it's like the part that people don't see i mean if you pay attention you know you hear you're locked in you probably got a dedicated or loyal fan base that probably knows what you had gone through and, and when you have people with you from the beginning that follow you through that stuff they're the diehards and that's the part that i think can help keep people going too once you get people to buy into that stuff because they believe in you it's another reason you might not want to give up like you said if you stop doing something someone squawks up and you're like oh you have been watching i didn't think anyone's watching you does that happen to you? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, they, they lift you up a little bit. Well, and, you know, somebody that that appreciates what you do, recognizes you somewhere, follows you on a social media outlet that generally looks forward to what you're posting or what kind of, you know, do the show coming on or any of those things. I mean, that, somebody that tells you that, that's like the greatest compliment you can get because it doesn't matter if, you know, you've got, a thousand followers or a or hundred thousand to a hundred million followers. It's all about what you're doing with that audience. Are you affecting people in a positive way? And, you know, you're really pushing things out there that are real. So, you know, I, everybody's got their days. I mean, you, if you follow my stuff on social media, there's some days you're like, yeah, Michael's having a bad day today. Somebody, you know, got in sideways about something and he made this post and just trying to make a point, blah, blah, blah. I mean, we all have those days, but for the most part, I hope that people that follow what we're doing and watch our stuff understand that, you know, we're we're just like everybody else. Obviously, we've got a pretty cool little job to do, um, but we have fun doing it and try to make it just like what everybody else does, try to make it very relatable, you know. Yeah, I think, I mean, from what I've caught, I tried to watch what I could uh, on YouTube. I don't have the Sportsman's channel, the cheap ass. But I think uh, the, the thing the thing I picked up on the most and is you guys have fun. Like your character shines through. The the character of your crew shines through. Like you guys look like a bunch of fun dudes. Yeah, you're having a lot of fun, just well, like that, any of us do when we go to deer camp or whatever. We're messing around with each other, calling each other names, and doing things. 
Yeah, I mean, and, and honestly, that's what makes going to hunting camp fun, right? I mean, it's not – I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. Everybody that goes hunting wants to kill a big deer or whatever. I mean, that's their whole goal, being there, other than the side effect of having fun with your buddies. And, I mean, I, I don't know how many times, you know, I've gone to different camps and even my own camp, and there's some days I'm just like, you know what, I, I'm just going to get up in the morning and I'm going to sit on the porch and watch the sun come up with a cup of coffee and just enjoy being outside. Don't, I don't even have to go get in a deer stand or anything to fulfill my, you know, desires or whatever to, to be there and enjoy things. I mean, I made a promise to myself, this is, uh, you know, somewhat philosophical, I guess, where several years ago I'm sitting in a, in a hunting blind in Kansas and one of my camera guys, you know, he's, he's about my age and we're just having some, you know, real conversations as most people do when you're sitting in the deer stand with somebody, just kind of airing things out and, and he's like, man, do, do, do you put a lot of pressure on yourself to, you know, kill a deer or whatever on a hunt? I mean, fill that tag. I mean, is, that, is there an immense amount of pressure? And I said, there used to be. And I just got to a point, I explained it to him that day, to the point where if I'm not having fun doing this, if, if, if I'm letting something that you can tie to work take the fun out of what I enjoy doing and putting more stress on me than I am having the fun part of it, I'm just not going to do it anymore. And so I've kind of turned that corner several years ago to where a lot of people get caught up in the pressure of, you know, filling that tag or putting a picture on social media of killing a deer or a turkey or whatever. And it's it's amazing at how much pressure people put on themselves to fulfill those things. And I was that guy, but mine was just trying to get, you know, footage for the show. And whatnot. once I started throttling back and saying, hey, I'm just going to let things happen. I'm just going to enjoy being here whether I shoot anything or not. It's it's amazing at how much more successful I was when I was hunting because I was not pressuring myself, not overthinking things. I was just kind of enjoying it and let it happen. Yeah, there's something you said about that in all walks of life. I think most commonly hear people talk about it when they meet their wife. It was the moment I stopped looking for a woman I met her, or vice versa. And <laughs> yeah, I like the the philosophical stuff. Uh, you know, we have a, a friend of ours, Jeff. Who, same thing is like the moment this doesn't become fun anymore is the day I stop doing it. And we feel the same way. Like this isn't, yeah, we're doing some interesting things and it's cool, but it, it really is the precipice of having fun. And if, if that stops, like this is tough. This is fun. Yeah. And we so love this. We'll be able to talk you know? to new people and, and get to know somebody else. If it ain't fun, then why am I doing it? I totally agree with you. And that's how hunting should be. And it's interesting that social media has inflated some things. I think human beings have always been wired certain ways and, there's always going to be something that we're exploiting um, or exploiting our behaviors. But, you know, if you're doing it for that, maybe it's enough to at least get you outside and do some stuff. But at some point there comes that crossroads where you realize, oh, yeah, there's a different reason I'm doing this because that's not fulfilling to do it for those reasons. If that makes any sense. No, you're, you're I mean, you hit the nail on the head, man. I mean, it's a, it's a generational thing, right? So uh, obviously if anybody's listened to the first however many minutes of the show, I've kind of accepted <laughs> the fact that I'm probably the oldest one in this conversation right now. So oh. we've got different generations. <laughs> we need someone to call in that's older. Got... You probably hey, hey, Dad, if you're listening, will you call in right now and just make me feel better about myself? It's so nice of you to do that. No, no. It's, I mean, the thing, the thing with it is like um, – you know, you always hear about, you know, hunter life cycle. Like, you know, when you first start hunting, your goal is just to shoot a deer or whatever. And your second thing is to, you know, shoot a, a big one or how many you can shoot. And you kind of go through this whole cycle where at the end, it's about taking other people and letting them shoot instead of you shooting. I'm not there. I'm not even close to that right now because I still like to see stuff die by my own hands. Um, of course, in a outdoor setting, that is. But... <laughs> It's um, one of those things where I think our future generation of hunters are going to be more worried about what's the picture going to look like on, you know, Instagram or whatever than what actually happened to get that picture point. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. You know, it's interesting. I think uh, Ranella talked about this on one of his podcasts, the grip and grins and kind of what that's become, what the original meaning was about it. He did a good job talking about that. I'm no Ranella, but I appreciate his um, disposition towards things and how he can articulate it to a wide audience. He does a good job sure. there. But 
Yeah. Let's talk about, um, let's shift gears just a little bit. Uh, you know, how many states have you hunted? Do you have a favorite? What species have you hunted? Do you have a favorite? Let's hear about some of your adventures. And you do this for 15 years. You got to have some fun, some fun oh, adventures. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, wow. We need to narrow that down a little bit because I, 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 it'll take me 15 <laughs> We're not to the memorable to part yet. This is the just states, the yeah. buildup. Oh, this is just this is just what I can remember since I'm the oldest one here now. You know, my memory's going to crap as I get older. So, um, no, um, I, I mean I've been lucky. I've had a lot of great hunts all over the country. I mean, just just pick a state you know that you've heard of as a as a hunting state. You know, one of the one of the big ones, if you will. I, I've probably been there at least multiple times. I actually, I'm flying out tomorrow night, going to Texas for a, a last minute deer hunt. Um, down in South Texas, and Texas is one of my favorite places to go. One because the weather's usually pretty good as far as not being freezing your butt off, and two, it's a target-rich environment. Um, but it's not for everybody. Hunting in Texas is not like hunting in Ohio, and hunting in Ohio is not like hunting in South Dakota. You know, so I don't have a favorite. I mean, I, I, I like seeing different things, I like hunting different things, I like different terrains. Of course, you cross and pass with different people. Um, and obviously different food all over the country. That's the fun part of what we do too. I mean, you might get to eat a steak in Kansas and, you know, you got fresh walleye or something in South Dakota. That's awesome. You never know. It's, it's always an adventure. That's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. So there's different spots that you, as you come back to different places, like, Oh yeah, this is my spot in this state, or I'm excited to go here for this reason, mm-hmm. different restaurants and shit like that. That's kind of neat. Well, a, a prime example is, uh, you know, you asked me about Wisconsin before we got on there, and so I've hunted up there before. I've hunted up there, you know, a lot of times, and we've got a good friend of ours that we hunt with up there. Um, and one of our things is, if we're up there on a Friday, we go to this little local lake, fish and we we go to the fish fry. You know, that's yeah. the thing, right? That, that's a Wisconsin yep. thing, and maybe just a northern thing, because you know, down here in the south, you just eat fish like every day if you want to. I mean, it's just go eat catfish every day, and that's part of life, but. You know, and, and you guys neck of the woods, that was something that maybe for for local people it's not that big deal, but for us we're like, Oh man, we're going we're going to the fish fry tonight and we get all excited about that on Friday night in Wisconsin, so here you go. <laughs> you do it with a brandy old fashioned or whiskey old fashioned, that's like a staple alongside of the fish fry if you go to some like dingy old restaurant. <laughs> yep, you go See? to an old supper club. No, supper club. Yeah. <laughs> Can I get a brandy old fashioned a fish it. fry with potato <laughs> pancakes? That's the jam. <laughs> All right, so I wish I talked to you guys sooner, so I've been missing out. So now I need to know how to. I got to execute this thing to the fullest extent next year. Yeah, you yeah. got to you got to know your taste. Is it brandy or whiskey? If whiskey is your taste, you go with the whiskey <laughs> old fashioned. If you like it a little sweeter, you go with the brandy. Have you had an old fashioned? Uh, I'm a whiskey you know, guy. You know what so. that is? Oh yeah. I, okay. Absolutely. I, I've got the stuff to make it in my refrigerator right now. So. I'm culturally like just an ass hat. Like, like, do you know what a brand new passion is? You're like, shut up, Eric. I'm older than you. Of course, I fucking know what a brand new I didn't know if I was talking to my grandpa or what, right? Like, all right, man. Yeah, well, I'm drinking your drinking scotch. Be... My wife calls me an old man every yeah, day. Yeah, like, what are you, 90? Who sits there and drinks it. scotch? I'm like, look at this chair in this room. This is 1970. <laughs> For those that are not oh, watching man. the podcast and hearing it for the first time, there's the weird chair, I call it, and sits in this room, Eddie's bed, the dog. It is where the dog goes and resides whenever he comes in here. <laughs> Surprised he hasn't broke the door. He's been kicked out. Yeah, he just is annoying. That's a problem. <laughs> the big distraction. He's distracting us and he's not even in here. <laughs> Damn dog. He won't. Damn dogs. Huh? Yeah. Well, okay, so you're going to Texas soon. What are you hunting there? Are you hunting muley, muleys, or what do you what do you got going on in Texas? Um, there's white whitetail. We're, we're whitetail hunting. We're flying out tomorrow night. Um, we'll start hunting Thursday sometime. We're hunting with our our friends uh, Bonnie and Mike McFerrin with Legends of the Fall down on their place. And, um, I'm pretty excited about it. We we've gone out there and turkey hunted a couple of years with them, um, and they invited us to come out and deer hunt. So. By golly, when you get an invite to go to Texas deer hunt, my best advice is to take it. Nice. I haven't been. I haven't. I haven't hunted anywhere else other than Wisconsin. I'm kind of a... Do you, uh, do you partake in some hog hunting while you're down there, too? Absolutely. 
I hear it's just a ton of fun. Our goal yeah. is to kill. It's it's uh, Mike does it right. Um, a lot of times, what we'll do is uh, he's got a jeep down there on the ranch, and every if, if you guys may not know a lot about Texas hunting, but for for the bulk of things, people always have a, a truck or a jeep or a, a side by side whatever UTV, and they have a spreader on there. They fill it up with corn. And they go spread corn in the roads or wherever you're going to hunt. I mean, sure. that's that's Please how sir. you do most most of Texas. It's it's just the way it is. And the hogs come out like clockwork on this thing. And uh, what we'll do with Mike, we'll go ride around, we'll put some corn out, and then we'll circle back around, uh, shoot some before dark, go back and eat day, then we'll go back out after dark with the thermals, and uh, we shoot suppressed ARs, and it's how many can we kill every night. Yeah, well, they're kind of a nuisance. They are a nuisance down there. They want to get rid of as many as possible because they're not of a, a, a native species. Yeah, they're yeah, invasive. Yeah, and they damage a lot of the environment. Yeah, it's it's bad. I mean, you ought to see some of the damage they do. And uh, we've got them here in Georgia. They're, they're bad here too. Uh, I've I've kind of come to the realization there's two kind of places. There's places that have hogs, and there's places that don't have hogs yet, but they're coming. <laughs> Sure. We got them here in Wisconsin, but apparently along like the Mississippi, and they've been deemed evasive and to just, you can kill them, right? They're in season all year round, but I haven't seen one ever. No. And I hunt out there, and I'm like, where are those? Where are these things? These feral hogs. Consider yourself lucky. <laughs> yeah. Well, what they do to the, the watersheds and stuff is awful. You know. They, what do they do? They tear them up. They crap on them. They just make it disgusting. They just make it disgusting. They make it inhabitable. Hmm. For wildlife, for native wildlife. So, yeah, I, you want to drink from a stream, you can't really drink from a stream if hogs are around. Just you worry about getting it. sick. Hmm. You mean I, the last time I drank from a stream was in the boundary waters. I hope they don't go up there. I don't think they could live in the cold. What, and you said you're shooting these things at night sometimes with ARs, with freaking night vision? That's got to be, like, what the hell's more fun than that? You, um, Are you using tracer rounds when you're shooting well, too? Like push tracer rounds, shot yeah, tracer yeah, rounds. You we, want to talk about yeah, we, fun? Hey, shooting tracer rounds is a real is a real hoot. Yeah, we we've done that before. <laughs> oh my god, that just sounds like just havoc in the best way possible. By all means necessary, move the species. Are you doing so? Okay. Some of the other hunts that you're doing, are you gun? Are you archery? Are you both? Like when, how, like what do you what do you like to do when you're doing that? Like what what's your weapon of choice? What's your uh, species of choice? Sounds like you like whitetail. We love whitetail. Oh, I, I'll just say yes to all of the above. Um, this actual path, which primarily what we do is, is whitetail hunt and, and turkey hunt. That's kind of our, our bread and butter. Um, of course, with this what mostly, to be honest with you, what people want to see. I mean, our whitetail shows get the best ratings on television out of everything. Uh, in the springtime, a little bit of turkey hunting goes a long way, too, for, for entertainment value. But, um, you know, the problem with turkeys is most times they all look alike until you get, you know, you shoot one and you actually, oh, this one's got an inch longer beard or a quarter inch longer spurs. I mean, it's just having fun and, you know, getting them in there close and, and getting a shot. Um, this past deer season, I shot deer with a crossbow, with a compound bow, with a rifle. Uh, so I kind of covered everything this this past fall so i guess my best answer is yeah i like to hunt with anything with everything and i will hunt anything how's that that's a good answer yeah great you you're kind of a an all-around guy turkey season's coming up here in april when did you pull your tag for uh my tag actually is pulled for the end of april beginning of may my season kind of goes from the end to the beginning there um, so I got third period, but I'm probably going to, I might pick up an extra tag if I can get one for the end of season. That's what I did last year. I didn't draw a tag, so I just went and bought one and I got one for the last week and I had a lot of action. I had a lot of birds around, so it was fun. Came close, saw deer, saw coyotes. It's pretty neat. Mike, do you, um, so for us here in Wisconsin, like we hunt Wisconsin, we're Wisconsinites, you know, like we drink brand old fashions and eat fish fries. Well, <laughs> <laughs> We got one. We got two seasons of shark. Whitetail uh, season in September, all the way through January. Bow, and then guns in there, and then bow again, and then turkey is spring, and then fall. It's pretty easy for us to track. 
when you're hunting multiple states, how are you keeping track of what's in season, where, when, what tactics to use and things of that nature? Like, how do you know what to bring when? Like, obviously spring turkey is different than fall well, turkey, but that's just Wisconsin. Like, you got a lot of trends to follow. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, um, you know, we're hunting with either friends or outfitters. Um, and, 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 and some outfitters that are friends, actually. So it kind of works out. But um we rely on them a lot, you know, hey, what, you know, what dates we kind of set up our schedule, what dates we want to go where and what to do what. And we've hunted enough places over the years. We know that, you know, your antelope and your elk, your mule deer, I mean, that's going to be a lot of early season possibilities, you know, sometimes in August, uh, September, October. Uh, and then you get a couple of those seasons that run all the way to November, depending on what state. And then, of course, you know, whitetails really kick off hard, you know, mid late October. Um, November, you know, into December, and then it's just kind of how, what, what, where do you want to go? You know, it kind of boils down to that, and uh, what do you want to try to hunt, and what we draw tags for, I and mean, we put in in, in different states, and uh, have preference points in different states, and just see what we draw, and then we kind of fill in our schedule from there. I mean, it's it's kind of a organized mess for a while, so we're you know trying to coordinate. You know, you're going to bow hunt early season here, and then you're going to rifle hunt here, and you're going to muzzleloader hunt here. And, you know, you just kind of have to run that gauntlet for a while. So your calendar is pretty much filled for, I don't know, the year, essentially. You're just going here, then, here, there. I'm saying this all backwards. No, well, there, then. Essentially, yeah. <laughs> if, you draw, if you draw an elk tag and, you know, a coveted elk tag in Arizona or New Mexico or something. That's mm-hmm. that's going on the calendar, and that's probably going to be one of the most prioritized hunts. And then you fill in with some whitetail in between. Mm-hmm. It's kind of it's kind of cool. I would yeah, imagine after 15 years of doing it, you got like you said, it's uh, kind of a beautiful mess or however you describe it, controlled chaos. But at some point, it sounds like there's a bit of a rotation. Like, all right, you know, how are we doing it this year? What are we going to draw for? What are we going to put in for? Where do you guys want to go? So there's still a little bit of like there's mm-hmm. want, but then there's still like what can you get away with? Yeah, and, and from our standpoint, I mean, we, we look at the draw states first. Like you mentioned, Arizona. I mean, that's one that we've been putting in for elk and mule deer. Um, I've got points for Wyoming for elk, and it's just a matter of putting in and finding the right place to go to draw there. Uh, we put in, like, Iowa. Uh, you can draw a gun tag every other year, archery every four or five years. So those kind of are the ones you have first priority because they, they take so much effort and time to get. And then when you put those on your schedule, it's pretty easy to fill in with whitetail stuff. I mean, if we're here hunting here in Georgia, you know, we're going to get a show or two out of here for deer and turkeys on our places. And we got buddies, you know, we'll, we'll hunt early season, you know, like Kentucky. Um, you know, sometimes we'll hit Ohio early. We got Missouri we go to. Of course, Texas, we got two or three places there we bounce around and go to. Um, just fun times. Even in North Texas, we got a spot where we can hunt mule deer and white tail at the same time so that's a that's an early season you know little little honey hole so you know we kind of fill all this stuff out and kind of plan our sequence of events because most time we're filming we're documenting this stuff in kind of order the way it happens of course and the shows air kind of sequentially to that you know depending on success of course but it's kind of um yeah like i said i mean you're running kind of a gauntlet of time because what sucks about what we do is November is like a great time to be everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's really hard to hit everywhere at one time. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. What's your freezer look like? How many freezers do you have in your house? <laughs> I mean, holy crap. I just turned my walk-in, walk-in my garage into a big walk-in freezer, you know, last week. So no, You no, did? I'm just I didn't do that. Oh, my God. But, I'm, so no, I'm like, wow, good. man, I bet you did. <laughs> No, a lot of these, a lot of these trips, um, you know, sometimes we fly somewhere, you know, can't really get, get meat back or it's not, honestly, it's not cost effective to get, get it back that way, uh, ship it back. So, you know, we'll donate that to, you know, hush programs or, you know, locals that, you know, outfitters know, you know, need some food. So we'll give, give a lot back that way. Most of the deer that I have here in turkeys in my freezer here at home or stuff that, you know, uh, here at home or states that are pretty close that we, we drive to, you know, fill up the freezer that way. So it's not hard to it's not hard to get deer meat down here in Georgia. Really, you can you can shoot uh, we can shoot twelve actually on our tag here. So you can get 
pretty quick to fill a freezer doing it that way. Oh, shit. I don't know. That's cool. What about, are you doing anything with like alligators or crocodiles or whatever the hell is down that way? <laughs> yeah, we, we shot, uh, shot several, I shot several alligators over the years. The, we we kind of stopped doing it. Um, it got harder and harder to kill the bigger ones because um, we, we go down to Florida since it's right here close most of the time. And we killed some big ones. We killed some 10, you know, 12 foot gators. Um, but it's one of those where, uh, I guess the best way to put it is I've been there, done that, got the t-shirt. And after, you know, you're staying up all night hunting these things for a few nights, you're like, you know what? That was fun. I'm going to go back to doing like normal people, daytime stuff. Right. Nice. Normal people, daytime stuff. And it's just that it just being like, we don't have things to be afraid of in the water up here. So I just wondering, you know, we swim in a lake and maybe you get a leech on your leg and that's, that'd be, you know, that's it down there. You got all sorts of things to watch out for. And there's more, more types of, more types of game to hunt too. So I just thought it was kind of interesting. Oh yeah, man. I mean, literally down here, I mean, there's something to hunt all year. I mean, between, you know, hogs and stuff like that, you you got something to hunt all the time. Uh, just when the weather gets warm down here, you you really don't want to be out there. It's it's pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. Our buddy uh, Jared, he uh, he's our tracks. He jokes and he always says, "You know, I'm more southern than cornbread," which I think I love it when he says stuff in an accent because <laughs> I think it's cool. And that thing is funny, but he he like he got a whitetail early season last year and he quartered it up and hiked it out because. Impacted it out because he's like, dude, it's too hot down here. It's down in Arkansas. And uh, it's Arkansas. Yeah. 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 Um, that's just a different thing. Like, we got to deal with some extreme cold up here. And it gets hot early season sometimes. I won't go out in it. I just can't handle mosquitoes. I'm a big baby about, about the bugs. But yeah, I'll take are. the cold so, <laughs> and layer up. So when, so, when it get, so when it's hot up there early season, what is it, like 80? Yeah. It's yeah. Mid, it could be 80, 85. Um I think, uh, what was it? First weekend of September, I went out. I didn't go opening day. I went the second day. It was like 83 out, but it, the humidity was ridiculous. And walking in, the mosquitoes weren't bad because the, the breeze was up, you know, blowing about 15 miles an hour. And then it calmed down. And as soon as it did, the mosquitoes came out of everywhere that they could. And they carry you right out of the tree. So... Oh, that's cute. I, big no, man, that's a big yeah. no. That's cute. What do you got down by you? <laughs> I knew that's how you Usually, usually opening day of bow season years, it, it's going to be in the 90s, no doubt. Yep. With probably 100% humidity. Um, the mosquitoes aren't out because they're it's just too hot. They they freaking die. It seems like they melt when it's that hot too. So um, it's usually, uh, and all truthfulness, I don't usually go early season here it's just it's just so bad man it's i've been out days it was 98 degrees and really questioned my sanity um i shot one buck a couple years ago on opening day and it was it was really warm it was probably 90 92 um then that's the closest i've ever come to you know having a heat stroke heat exhaustion i shot the deer and we're tracking the deer and it's just so hot i mean i, I wasn't right in the head for a little while which is that's about normal but you know this time the next day I woke up and I mean, I was just like, man, that was bad. That's, that's not a good idea. And I honestly wish they would push opening of deer season back down here just so we could maybe get some more time on the back end when it's actually, you know, better weather. But uh, it's it's kind of dangerous to be out there between the snakes and the heat and everything. Yeah. Snakes too. And so like, how do you, how do you deal with an animal when it's that hot? Like how much time do you have before the meat spoils? Not a lot. Like you got to act um, quick in that know, weather, and like the flies well, and the maggots and all that well, shit. Like man. <laughs> well, well, what's crazy is uh, well, the like down here. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, the, the flies can be bad or whatever, but it's not. It, it's weird. It's like I've, I've hunted everywhere, all over the country, and stuff like that. But uh, and honestly, when I hunt in Wisconsin, we shot deer up there, and the guys we hunt with, like, all right, we're, we're through taking a picture of the deer. Uh, we're gonna gut it right now, like immediately. Like there's no waiting around. And it might be it might be 20 degrees outside, but we're, we're still field dressing that deer right there. We got to get it out. Down here, man. I mean, we we shoot deer, put them in the back of the truck, 
take them to the processor or take them back to camp, start skinning them. We, we rarely ever field dress a deer right away. And and I think it just depends on uh, just how people were taught coming up. Um, because, you know, if if we're not going to, you know, clean the deers, cape the deer out and then dress it out all the way, we usually don't, don't field dress the deer. We just go do it all at one time, right? Culturally, that's interesting. So, I wonder why uh, we do that. Because that is how I was taught to do it. You yeah. get it right away, drag it out. I think it's because we're, you know, you got to drag it so damn far. And you're like, yeah, well, right. if I can take some weight out. Yeah, I don't know out. if there's more to it than that for us. But well, that's cool to hear. Mm-hmm. It all depends on. And, and I'll say this. Hit. I mean, yeah, well, and, and I agree with what you're saying there, too. But, like, we've kind of, that's the way we were brought up. You know, we, you know, we didn't, we didn't feel dressed here all the time before we are going to go clean them right away. So, uh you know, even when we're up north or Midwest or whatever, we shoot a deer. I mean, we'll just drive the truck up to it and put it in the back. And people have a look. Why, why'd you haven't go to that deer yet? Like, they're losing their mind. I can't believe you haven't go to that deer yet. The meat's going to be ruined. I'm like, dude, I've made it this long eating deer in 90 degrees, been shot in the south, and I'm fine. I, I mean, we've never gotten sick. We've never had any problems. The meat's never spoiled. So, it, it, you know, I mean, I'm not going to argue with anybody. That's what you want to do. What, go for it. But, at the same time, I don't I don't know if there's a right answer for that, you know. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I mean, it's just fun to talk to folks that aren't specifically from here to hear about, you know, how you deal with things and what it's like as a hunter in a different climate and region. And the fact that you've had experience up here and you see something different, there's just so much to learn, you know, and it's fun to, to expand our horizons and really kind of learn what everyone else is doing too. There's, yeah, there's a lot of ways to do the same thing. Down here. Yeah, they're gonna. I, mean, I can hear the comments on this thing now. Man, I can't believe that redneck from the south. They don't even gut deer down there. They're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen the comments come through yet. I'm watching them. We'll uh, see what the reviews look like <laughs> later. But feel free to jump in later on too and be like, "Boy, I'm, <laughs> I'm more southern than cornbread." <laughs> uh, shoot. Nah, I don't know what like a northern thing is to say. I'm more northern than a pine tree. Like I don't know what to say. It doesn't sound as cool. I'm more northern northern than a brandy old fashioned at a fish fry. Okay. There we go. That's there a t shirt right there. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a whiskey guy or you a brandy guy? What do you want? I don't want the Boston accents coming out. That oh, stupid boy. smart park commercial. Bye <laughs> <laughs> pack. You're welcome, Toyota. Uh, that's not Toyota. Hashtag <laughs> fish fry Friday. Yeah, hashtag fish fry Friday. Thanks, Craig. It is a Hyundai, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Okay. Fuck you, Toyota. <laughs> They're not a sponsor. America. America. Yeah. America. Well, They're not going gonna to be a sponsor now either, so don't worry no. about it. Oh, I'm still trying to find a Scotch sponsorship. That hasn't happened Jeez. every week. <laughs> oh, man. Well, tell us about your most this memorable brought hunt. To you by... oh, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I want to hear it. got to hear it. No, it I, I was just going to say that this part of the show brought to you by Bob's Brandy and Fish Nuggets. Uh, located on fine one-stop shopping gas stations all over the country. There we there go. You go. <laughs> That's for the win. <laughs> Shit, this is fun. All right, so before we hit the record button and all that, I asked you to think about your most memorable hunt. It's different for everybody, and that's why I like it. And uh, you got some runway here to share a good story with us. So hopefully you put a little bit of thought into it. I'm excited to hear what you got. Do we do we have time for just one? <laughs> that's the problem. Well, well um, I mean, let's see, memorable is it's you might have a couple. You know, we can hear two maybe. I've I've got I've got two like these two come to mind right off the top of my head. Which one of them is for pure entertainment value, and the other one is actual uh, a quick story of sentimental value, if you will. But I'll, I'll go with that one first, and we'll follow up with a funny one right quick. So. Okay. One of my most memorable ones was was this past uh, in 2019 uh, spring. It was May 2019. So my dad has turkey hunted. I started turkey hunting before my dad did. My dad started a couple years after I did. So before I even uh, killed my first turkey, I had called in turkeys for other people, and I called in turkeys for my dad. Then, of course, all right, I've let other people shoot turkeys. It's my turn. I've shot turkeys. So my dad started out like everybody else, the same as me. You know, you get a 12-gauge with a three-and-a-half-inch shoulder shocker, and boom, you kill a turkey as far as you can see one, and that was your goal was to kill a turkey. So he, he graduated 
quickly to where he only wanted to shoot turkeys with a 410. And wow. it's fun. I've done, you know, I, I've done it too. I've shot, I shot one with his 410 actually. But um, where I'm going with this is he wanted to kill his first Grand Slam with his 410 on video, and he wanted all the shots to be inside 10 yards. Okay. No, that sounds just like a piece of cake, right? I mean, nothing to it. So. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing's so, a piece of cake out of the fourth game. <laughs> no, no, that's it's probably. I told him I was like, this is one of the hardest things I believe I've I ever heard anybody come up with that sounded like a good idea. So uh, <laughs> we we learned quickly that his four ten, the effective range is at maximum about twenty yards to twenty five yards if you're very lucky, because the first two birds that we caught in came in and. One of them's full strut. One's kind of feeding around. They're coming in. Uh, he says, all right, I'm going to shoot one of them. When he tries to shoot the one in full strut, uh, the bird never broke strut. The other bird picked his head up and gobbled. So we learned right quick that he had to be much closer than 25 yards to kill one with a 410. So uh, after a couple of attempts, we finally got him one on video, uh, Eastern, on our farm, uh, he's probably about eight yards with the 410. Next thing we know, we're in Florida. We've got a an Osceola, probably wow. eight or ten yards. Boom, he's dead. We go to Texas. Um, the first trip to Texas didn't work out. He ended up having to shoot it with my gun because we wouldn't get close enough. But the second trip we went out, he killed one the first afternoon. Turkey comes into decoy at about eight yards, struts around the decoy for ten minutes on film, and we kill him. So he's got his four of his five, for the, or sorry, three of his four for the Grand Slam. And so last year, we go to South Dakota, and um, it took us about 14 hours of traveling, flying, and everything to get to where we were going to hunt. We got up the next morning, and um, we killed a double on video at seven yards in 20 minutes of hunting, and that completed the Grand Slam with the 410 inside 10 yards all on video, and that was his first Grand Slam. <laughs> Damn. Damn. That's awesome. Uh, right. <laughs> that was a that was a kind of a big run-on story, but it's just the fact of, hey, you stuck with it. We got it done. And actually, I killed my single-season Grand Slam last year with a 20-gauge, so I capped, that, you know, capped mine off at the same time he did his 410 slam on that same hunt. So that was pretty cool. That's probably one of my more memorable ones there. And um, the funny one that kind of sticks with me all the time. So uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of a guy named Brantley Gilbert before, country singer. He's been around yep, for a little yeah. while. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Brantley and I are really good buddies. and we, We've hunted together for years. And, uh, you know, we've, We've been through all kind of stuff together, from you know music stuff, hunting stuff, just just had a good time over the years. And um, one one year it was January. It's been several years ago now. He conned me into going to Ohio for a late season gun hunt. And I'm like, dude, do you know how cold this is going to be? And um, he was like, no, but we're going anyway. So I'm like, well, great. This sounds great. I may die. So um, <laughs> get up here, get get up there, and I mean, it's like. 12 degrees and there's a foot of snow on the ground and i mean it's just i mean you know you guys are from wisconsin i'm preaching to the choir here it's terrible like for a guy from south georgia this is like horrific event it's traumatic i have to go sit in this kind of weather and freeze to death when there's not one day of the year that it is 12 degrees in georgia ever where i live anyway so, you know, I'm driving up here by Brantley, and we get in the stand the, the first morning, and the number one priority, because we're, we're sitting in a box stand, you know, we've got our layers on, but we're going to get that heater going. That buddy heater is key to survival. It's like naked and afraid. We're not naked. We're in a box stand, but we are very afraid until that heater gets going. So we're clicking, click, 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 and this thing will not light. And we both looked at each other with the most concerned look that two people have ever looked at each other in deer stand in a non, you know, homosexual way, I guess. So um, <laughs> we're no one dropped there, us like, it's okay. This thing, Did you yeah, call Big right. Spoon right away? <laughs> there's too many layers of clothes on anyway to worry about that. It's not going to happen. So... 
<laughs> we, we finally get the heater lit. And, uh, you know, all is well in the world. Deer comes out. He's like, hey, man, you know, that's, that's a good buck. And I'm like, yeah. He's like, you, you shoot him. I was like, you sure, man? You invited him to say, yeah, shoot that deer. He's like, all right. So it's, it's a, I forgot. He's a, he's like a 10-point or something. Shoot him. And, you know, he goes over there and falls. Man, we're high five and everything's cool. And then um, we climb down out of this box blind. It's only, you know, five or six feet off the ground. We uh, get down. I get the camera. And he's like, hey, man, get the camera rolling. I said, what are you talking about? So get the camera on and point it at the stand. It's like, oh, Lord, what now? Well, Brantley decides he wants to jump out of the stand instead of climb out of the stand, do a frontward flip when he hits the ground, roll up, and then run towards my deer like it's an Olympic event. Oh, boy. So he does. And all I can think is here I am. I'm responsible for this guy. I mean, his career, you know, feeds a lot of families and takes care of a lot of people. And he's going to break his neck and jump out of this deer stand. It's going to be my fault. At least you got it on film, right? But it, yeah, I got it on film. I mean, it's got like breaking you know, news. views on YouTube or something. Oh my god! Literally breaking news. So and then he decides to walk across a frozen pond. It's like I think it's fixing to fall in any second. So you know, I'm, I'm just dealing with a lot of stuff in my world during hunts with that guy. What a hoot, man! So he was okay. It worked yeah, out. Yeah. Did a slip, ran after, crossed the pond. Well, I mean, and, and I mean, he's he been, I, I question his mental stability on an annual basis. So, I mean, other than that, yeah, he's, he's probably all right. <laughs> Dude, what a what a ride that must be, huh? That's the <laughs> well, stuff that's, like that. I mean, you, that's. You'll remember that forever. You'd be like, you crazy fucker. For the rest of your life, you'd be like, remember that? Yeah, time? I mean, like, you'd. Uh, yeah, I'm like, dude, remember that time you jumped out of the stand and, like, gave me a heart attack because I didn't know what you were doing? I'm like, a small sport adult out of the two of us. <laughs> He's like, man, my back's still messed up from you letting me do that. I'm like, well, there wasn't a whole lot of letting going on, but you did it anyway. So, But, I mean, that that's just a normal that's a normal day when, when we hunt. So, Sounds like a good time. You know. We got a couple questions that came through, no calls, <laughs> but uh, Dan Young wanted to know what your favorite turkey call is. Dan, I like old Dan. He's a good buddy of mine. Um, favorite turkey call, man. That's a tough choice because I'm one that uh, I've got a buddy of mine down here that he make he makes some mouth calls for me, and he gave me some a couple years ago. And I'm I'm like that's all I use most time is a mouth call, and it's uh, one of those where Oh, mouth call is going to last me about two weeks of turkey season because when I go and get up in the morning, I get in the woods, I put the mouth call in my mouth, I take it out to eat, and I put it back in. <laughs> and I was like with me all the time. So um, I don't really have a favorite. I mean, I like any call out there that's got like a, a split V cut, a triple reed, um, a ghost cut's pretty good depending on um, how tight the reeds are, stuff like that. I just like a raspy call. It seems like these birds. Uh, down here in the south especially they like that raspy stuff and then you know depending on where you're hunting at they like a little bit different pitch here and there but um our buddies over at lynch mob calls they make some good stuff they they came up with some really good mouth calls last year um using mouth call break yeah okay. i usually i've tried a couple different brands i've tried zinc i've tried uh hunter specialties um i tried another brand last year that was pretty good but most of the time it's a it's a, a split v type type call it's a little bit mm-hmm. raspy i don't know why i just like the i like the way it sounds better otherwise if i like having issues with uh with one of my mouth calls my usually my backup's usually my old box call that i've had since i was a kid meep, 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 yeah it's, it's <laughs> i've had it forever and it goes with me everywhere i go as a backup just in case so mm-hmm. uh, yeah. yeah i mean uh, uh Another people out there listen. I'd try a, a shipwreck cut. That's a good one to try. Um, triple reed is usually what a lot of people can learn to call on better. It's like kind of they seem to roll over a lot. Yeah, they don't take as much air to yeah. roll and get them going. Yeah, it depends on how tight the calls are stretched. A lot of guys stretch them really tight because the more you use them, they're going to loosen up. So what you don't want to happen is get a call that sounds really good as soon as you put it in your mouth. Because later it's going to stretch and probably lose its tone. 
if you got one to start with that's really tight and you, you kind of run it a little while, it's going to kind of you need to really kind of break it in, and then you're you're probably going to have a good call for the whole season there. Yeah. So we got Andrew Harris comment and said Michael Lee can call a turkey on a crayon oh. box with a crayon stick. <laughs> <laughs> just that good. And then Dan asked, "What cooler you ever cleaned the cleaned with a cooler reviver?" Oh God, Almighty, dude. Um, <laughs> so yeah, your fan base products. Yeah, right. Lethal, lethal products is a company that I work with, and um, they make this product called a cooler reviver. Um, and you guys are appreciate. I mean, you, you guys fish and hunt and everything up north too, right. so. You know, there's times when you leave stuff in a cooler and it just smells horrible, right? I mean, whether you forget to wash out after putting fish in or you might leave some meat in there too long or just, like you know, Michigan have your 24 pack. Cooler. Yeah, that one starts to stink, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, or, you, or you forget and leave, like, you know, all your beer that's half drunk and drank and sandwiches and, you know, when you had too many on a Saturday. But... Um, I did the, some of the testing for this product called Cooler Reviver. That's what it's called. And um, when we did testing on it, we got a mullet. <clears throat> I don't know if you guys have yeah, fish. with mullet. The mullet are probably one of the worst smelling fish on the planet, like the fishiest fish you can have. And we put a dead mullet in there, left it for probably two days outside here in the Georgia heat, and it Yuck. was not very pleasant. Yeah, not very pleasant at all. So, but um, you know, we we use a cooler reviver on it. We we emptied the fish out, poured out the creative juices that were flowing from the inside of the fish, and um, sprayed it with the cooler reviver. And it knocked, man, it knocked the scent down probably ninety percent. Then we poured some more in there with some water, let it sit for a few more hours. And I mean, I still use that cooler for, for ice, uh, you know, today. So that's oh. a testament to that product. Just shameless plug for that one, but. You gotta get one of those shitty stickers and slap that on there then too right away. <laughs> oh, of course, but you know it doesn't stink, so just that's little, cool. Little shitty. No, that's cool. Little shitty. I like just that. A little shitty. It's only a little shitty. <laughs> so I got the little shitty sticker, not the big one. That's my fish cooler's got not the shitty, shitty cooler sticker yeah, right on it. Yeah, those the guys are pretty cooler. funny. We're not that funny. <laughs> I wish I was that funny. No. We're that I'm like funny. cheesy yeah, funny. I'm like dad joke funny. funny. That's how funny I am. <laughs> There's more dads in the world than they are not. So yeah, yeah, the other dads get it. Look, oh, knee slapper. That's a good one, Eric. <laughs> That's my crown. Give me my brandy old fashioned. He's this guy's funny. I need another brandy old fashioned. Oh, it's funny. There we go. Well, dude, that was a good that was a good episode. Um, folks that tuned in live, we had quite a few uh, tuning in. I think some of those folks were your audience, some of them were ours, and some good cross pollination there. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Um, you know, where can folks tune in? When can they tune in? How can they tune in? Let's get another shameless plug in to make sure people know where to find you. <laughs> well, always go to backwoodslife.com. It's got all our information on there. We're on just about every social media outlet and on demand. You can consume a lot of our content, watch all our videos on uh, YouTube. We've got Instagram TV, our Facebook uh, page. We've got over a million followers now on Facebook. We roll out videos, um, which are a lot, some, some kind of, you know, short form hunting content every week on there or, or multiple times a week. Um, we're on Sportsman Channel, like you guys said. And our next season will begin airing July of this year. So that'll be season 16. And um, we got some good stuff coming from this past fall that you guys will see out there. That's exciting. And when are you in Wisconsin next? Do you have that planned out for the 2020 year or no? Um, I don't have it planned out yet, but if I'm a guessing guy, I'm probably going to say October-ish. <laughs> Hit us up, <laughs> man. We'd be happy to have a fish fry with you. Sure. We know some good spots. Absolutely. We, yeah. We, I mean, uh, if, you're not, if you're in Wisconsin, you don't go eat fish on a Friday night, you're not an American. <laughs> Certainly not a Wisconsinite. Probably you know from Illinois or something. <laughs> Minnesota. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool, man. Well, I'm gonna end the live feed. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We'll keep you on the line for a second here, and everybody have a great night. We'll we'll see in podcast podcast time when we get this thing zipped up. Have a good night.
tip of the week this week is shared with you from Greg Tubbs himself. Deerbane took a day off, and uh, we got Greg Tubbs stepping in. It's a super practical tip, so you're going to like it. Tip of the week. Uh, I got to think probably one of the best tips I could give is go through your hunting gear now that season's over. Uh, look at all your belts on your sticks, on your stand. Um, make sure they don't have any frays. I mean, you could just pack it away in the garage and wait till, you know, opening day and then realize, well, crap, I need to order some new belts or, you know, bolts are bent, um, Versa buttons are chewed up or cracked. Go through that stuff now. Um, all those companies, you know, like Lone Wolf, they'll have all that stuff in stock now because it's kind of the off season. All of a sudden, you you grab the gear and you know you need to add stuff to it or repair stuff on it in September or October. That's during the season. You go to try to order stuff and they're months away from having stuff back in stock again. So that is the time to go through. Now is the time to go through your gear, inspect it for any any safety issues, get those parts on order. Hey, thanks, Greg. That was a great tip. I'm really uh, satisfied with that one, and it's a good kind of reality check i'm definitely one of those folks as an okayist hunter that puts my stuff away when the season ends especially if it wasn't a good season i'm like i'm done <laughs> and then i don't look at it for quite a long time until i get all excited in like july and august and so you know there's got to be some good discounts too one could think so anyway that's a really solid tip thanks so much and um you know that's all i got no philos- no philosophy today for everybody <laughs> Just uh, chase your dreams. That's that's what I'll leave it with. And uh, go get after it. Go kill the world. And have fun doing it too. That's all I got for today, folks. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. Look forward to next week's episode. We're going to have a great guest on. We're going to talk gear. And we're going to talk aero gear specifically. So should be a good one. Hopefully y'all like that one too. Tune in live on Tuesdays from uh, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time to 8 p.m. Central Standard Time uh, via Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Thanks so much. Have a great night and hunt public.